Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And now, Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. (laughs) (laughs) This has been Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. America. Happy 50th anniversary to Kamala Harris. 50 Veep Thoughts, all available at veepthoughts.com. By the way, if you're watching on YouTube, you can go to Veep Thoughts uh, all right uh, on the YouTube page as well. Uh, and of course, you can like this video right now, subscribe to the channel, do all the things. We do appreciate it. Billy Hallowell is going to join us here in a second on this Good Friday to remind us of some of the things that are really important in life. We've got a brand new Easter edition of Stew Eats America happening in a few moments, so stay tuned for that. But we start by doing trendy transgenderism. What a week it's been. What a weird freaking week it's been. I mean, earlier on this week, we had Nike taking on the client of Dylan Mulvaney, a man in a sports bra, to sell sports bras to women, because that's what they're looking for. Totally. And then that is, of course, you know, uh, inspired Glenn Beck to tweet the new Nike slogan, just dude it. Just an unfortunate visual. And then, of course, preceding that, you had the Bud Light thing where Dylan Mulvaney also was a Bud Light spokesperson. And uh, Kid Rock got wind of that and said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not ordering any more Bud Light at the back room of my concert series, which is really I mean, 98 percent of Bud Light is consumed at concerts, I think. Does anyone, other than Power Hours at Studios America, does anyone ever consume it any other way? I don't know. The next Power Hour, can I have Bud Light? I think everyone will throw the cans at me. I'm going to have to go to Miller Light or Coors Light or some other very watered-down beer because that's a lot of drinking in a short amount of time. And then we had the Riley uh, Gaines situation, which is very, very strange. If you don't remember Riley Gaines, she's a swimmer. She swam against Leah Thomas. And we showed you this clip earlier this week of her trying to describe what she's gone through. In addition to being forced to give up our awards, our titles, not opportunities, the NCAA forced female swimmers to share a locker room with Thomas, a 6'4", 22-year-old male who was fully intact with male genitalia. Let me be clear. We were not forewarned. We were not asked for our consent, and we did not give our consent. If nothing else, I hope you can truly see how this is a violation of our privacy and how some of us have felt uncomfortable, awkward, um, embarrassed, and even traumatized by this experience. I mean, if there's any clip that shows you that they didn't actually mean any of that Me Too stuff that they were talking about a few years ago, that's it. 
they don't care about that at all. That was just a power play, and that was uh, it. Riley Gaines, uh, after this, goes and does another speech, apparently, and gets ambushed, physically hit, after uh, saving women's sports speech at San Francisco State. Let me show you some of the footage backstage uh, after they were, the police are trying to save her life here as, uh, you know, what, what does she do? She told her story about being without consent in a locker room with a guy with his, his junk hanging out. That's what she went through. Uh, here is uh, the aftermath of her speech. Trans rights are human rights. Uh, I guess uh, Riley has no rights whatsoever in this situation as she's basically imprisoned by a mob. Who? Uh, these people are horrible human beings. Horrible human beings. It really is amazing. And maybe you heard something about that on the news. I doubt it. Maybe you saw some of that footage on maybe on a conservative site. But uh, really, no one's covering the incident that almost happened in Colorado Springs. A manifesto has detailed a former student's plan to carry out multiple Colorado Spring, uh, Springs school shootings. This is, once again, the same story we've been hearing quite a bit of lately. 19-year-old William Whitworth, who identifies as Lily, charged after an investigation into threats involving schools all around Colorado Springs Academy District 20. Just a terrifying situation. Luckily stopped before any bloodshed took place. But we are in a situation where this is turning darker and darker by the day. What do we do about this? How do we stop it? How do we un even understand it when we can't even talk about it? When we can't talk about the obvious parts of this? Now, some people are just severely mentally disturbed. I think you saw some of those people in the crowd around Riley Gaines. You saw certainly this person who was talking about maybe shooting up schools. Uh, Dylan Mulvaney, I don't know how you even deny it. Uh, certainly seems incredibly mentally disturbed to me. Um, but, I mean, you know, who else would, uh, would take on a Bud Light sponsorship? But, I mean, here is uh, Bill Maher, by the way, has tried to identify some of the situations here. He talked about this last week. He said there's an element of social contagion impacting children who identify as transgender. And uh, if we could just zoom in on the ad here on the right, just to point out, again, my producer getting served ads that interest him. Uh, a, a very uh, old woman... Uh, and an intermittent fasting ad with a bear. Now, what this has to do with anything that my producer is searching for in his off time, I don't know. But I am a little traumatized uh, by it. Uh, Bill Maher went on to say, like, hey, sometimes, you know, some people find themselves uh, in the wrong body. And, uh, you know, he says that happens. It's rare, but it happens. But you're talking about there are other ones now because it is so somewhat trendy. I know people hate to hear this, but it's obviously true. There's an element of social contagion or else it wouldn't be so prevalent in here in California and not in Indiana. It wouldn't be regional, right? 
wouldn't be regional if it was all natural and wholesome. Maurer appeared to be referring to the social contagion theory advanced by critics of gender transitions who argue that the rapid increase in teenage girls seeking gender-affirming care is being caused by peer pressure, not higher levels of social acceptance. It's a pretty interesting theory, and there's some real evidence behind it now. Now, look, I don't know. The person is going to go shoot up schools. I tend to think that's a totally different problem. Uh, someone who is uh, that mentally gone is, uh, is another issue. But there are a lot of people who are just doing this just to do it because it's cool or it's trendy. It seems to line up very much with previous social contagions like cutting and anorexia and other things that have come and gone before, particularly among teenage girls. They seem to deal with stress in, in interesting ways. Uh, and this is uh, one of the ways. A new study is out, rapid onset gender dysphoria. Parent reports on 1,655 possible cases. The, um, the, the uh, people over at Post Millennial wrote this up. New study supports the social contagion theory for surge in teenage girls identifying as transgender. And again, if you, if you zoom in on the ad, once again, my producer served an ad about tingling hands and feet. Does he have tingling hands? Has he been Googling tingling hands? and Can you do some work instead of just looking about all your very multitude of very strange health problems? Just, 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 do, just go do the studies. That's all we're looking for here. Anyway, uh, notable findings in line with past studies show that adolescent onset gender dysphoria disproportionately affects females with a sample showing 75% females and 25% males. Again, that doesn't prove... Uh, that social contagion is the reason, but it is very odd. I mean, if it was something that was affecting humanity generally, you'd think, why would it be three quarters women and or girls, I guess in this case, and one quarter boys? And again, some you know different ailments uh, track that way, so it could be just that. But there's more to the study. These young people had high rates coexisting with mental health issues. Forty-two percent had a formal mental health diagnosis. That's higher. I know it's surprising when you walk around town, but that's higher than the average public, uh, the average number in public. The parents reported that on average, child's me mental health issues had started nearly four years before the onset of gender dysphoria. The most common issues were depression, anxiety, self-harm, and difficulty socializing with peers. Is there any surprise that if you had these sorts of challenges, maybe you'd run towards acceptance, no matter how strange of a, pic a package that acceptance, uh, the shape of that package happened to take? Um, loaded in that particular statement. Youth with mental health issues were observed to be far more likely to have socially or medically transitioned, which uh, Bailey and Diaz, the authors of the study state, is concerning because youth with mental health issues may be especially likely to lack judgment necessary to make these important and in the case of medical transition, permanent decisions. Yeah, kids that are already struggling with mental health issues, maybe not the best to go to, to design the entire rest of their lives based on surgeries that are irreversible. I don't know, I, that sounds crazy, I know, but apparently it is, according to so much of the media and the left. 55.4% of the parents responded yes when asked if their child had friends who came out as transgender around the same time. Again, that's really important to focus on. More than half of the people coming out as transgender in the study had friends who had previously come out as transgender. 
It's so obviously at least partially social contagion, it's hard to even deny. That response was significantly higher for natal females, 60.9%, than natal males, 38.7%. Among those who answered yes, the mean number of transgendered friends was 2.4. Again, we're talking about uh, a group that is what? Less than 1% of the population. Yet the average person who came out as transgender in the study had 2.4 friends who are already transgendered. Now, you might say 2.4, is that an average? No, no, just one person came out as 0.4% or 40% transgendered. I'm I'm kidding about that part, but it does seem like it could be possible. Uh, 2.4 was the average. Having friends come out as transgender significantly related to the likelihood of social transition, particularly for females, among whom 73.3% with contemporaneous transgender friends had taken steps towards social transition compared to 54% without such friends. Parents estimated that before developing gender dysphoria, their children were spending, on average... 4.5 hours per day on the internet and social media. So what does this mean? You go on the internet, you're on social media, you have friends who have already transitioned, you have a mental health issue. All these things add up to an easy path, which is, of course, to transition, where you'll get tons and tons of sympathy, tons and tons of attention, and you will, in your uh, mental health-challenged mind, Create a scenario in which this will solve your problems. These problems will go away if you can just find out who you really are. You're trapped in the wrong body, of course. Many rapid-onset gender dysphoria patients report that their children spent hours and hours immersed in transgender culture online prior to announcing a transgender identity. Is there any surprise to this? And many detransitioners describe first encountering the concept of gender identity online. Parents also reported that their child's uh, physiological functioning, uh, excuse me, psychological functioning, uh, my mistake there, uh, worsened after social transition, as did their relationship with their parents. Well, yeah, that does seem to be the type of thing that might happen here. You know, it's important to understand what is going on in our culture. A lot of these cultural movements come and go, and this might be one of them. You're seeing real pushback now on this one. The fact that we would do this, though, and lock it in, these mistakes that kids are making, and I call them mistakes because an incredibly high percentage of people who thought about transitioning young, uh, at a young point in their lives wound up growing up and then becoming happy that they didn't transition. In other words, they are happy in their bodies later on in life. They were going through a tough period. And when we lock in bad decisions under pressures from friends and the internet and uh, just general teen angst, you lock those, tr- those transitions in for life, you are relegating an entire generation of kids to a horrible, horrible life and uh, adulthood. That's not what we should be doing uh, right now. On a day like today, like on Good Friday, we really need to remember what is important and what is true in life. This is an important issue because it's an issue of truth. People go through difficult times. Sometimes they don't always understand where they're going. But we need to stick by the truth. We need to say what is true and what is not, no matter how painful and difficult and the pressures that come along with it are. Billy Howell is going to join us here in just a second to talk to us a little bit about how that relates to today and politics and everything else on on Good Friday. Back in a second.
mentioned recently my wife went through a surgery. She had to have her kidney removed. And, you know, you don't think about those organs until a lot of times it's too late. So what should you do with your organs? Well, I will uh, recommend liver health formula. If you think your liver is, I don't know, if you're one of the people who are out there, and it's a high percentage of people who are dealing with fatty liver and, and all sorts of different problems, uh, try uh, this particular product. It works great to rejuvenate your liver, reignite your metabolism, burn fat, boost energy, and fight fatty liver that impacts 100 million Americans. Well, over uh, the good folks over there put together a uh, short presentation, shares four warning signs of a damaged or fatty liver. Um, check it out. You can watch it for free right now and learn more about your liver health Right now at checkyourliver.com slash stew. Checkyourliver.com slash stew. Check it out. Checkyourliver.com slash stew. Really happy to welcome Billy Hollowell into the studio. He's a writer uh, at faithwire.com, co-host of the Quick Start podcast with our other pal Dan Andros and, and so many others. They do a great job over there. Uh, be sure to subscribe to it today. And, of course, he's the author of Playing With Fire, A Modern Investigation into Demons, Exorcism, and Ghosts, which is available now wherever you get your books. Billy, how's it going? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me here. I should have mentioned Blaze alum as well. I know. It's amazing being back here. Yeah. It's, it's been a while. It has been. 2016, I walked in the building, and I'm like, man, I haven't been here in years. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's been a long time. And, and through those years... Uh, we kind of split into two different nations there for a three-year period or two-year period around 2020. Uh, you live in New York. I, I was born in, in, in New York as well. I mean, I, you know, I'm, that, that was where I grew up in Connecticut. That, it's a different area. Certainly, it has always felt different than Texas, but I don't know if there's ever a, a more different time than the last couple of years. No, I think COVID just accentuated all those differences, yeah. right? I mean, all the political differences. You, I come to Texas, and it's, like, amazing. You can breathe. Yeah. In New York, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, I'm used to being around people I don't agree with, right? So for me, New York was always kind of comfortable, but I think COVID, it really changed things. Mm. Trump really changed things. Yes. You know, and I think we really are two different countries. It's insane. Yeah, it really is really weird. Where do you, how do you view the state of the world right now, especially the state of America? I mean, I, I was watching this, uh, you know, this terrible thing that happened in Nashville with, uh, with a school shooting there and watching that happen and then seeing, first of all, the fact that something like that could happen to, uh, you know, a bunch of children is, is just the worst thing you can possibly imagine. And then on the back of that, the coverage of it seems to me to be completely reversed to the way it should be, where we're supposed to feel bad for transgendered people when a transgendered person murders six people at a, at a Christian school. It's insane. You know, you asked, I, I would say confused, right? Like, what is the state of the country? Yeah. Completely confused. Yeah. Great way to put it. And all the things that we all warned about for years, we heard Glenn Beck warning about it. You've, we've all talked about it, right? Culture's going down the hole. Now we're actually watching the manifestation of that, of the feelings, right? We told so many jokes like, oh, your feelings, the safe spaces, all of those things that were funny, they're actually not funny anymore because I think we're actually watching what happens when you say to people, you know what, there's 8 billion people in the world, you just do whatever you want to do, believe whatever you want to believe, everybody gets their own moral code, and it'll all work out great. Right. And the reality is it doesn't work out great. And we see that even in the coverage, you know, outlets telling other, you know, telling the reporters don't report that the person was transgender. Uh, I mean, no, you do report that. It's part of the story. It's a fact. But facts don't matter anymore. And so we're confused. We've detached from truth. And what's scary to me is now we're raising entire generations. You're a dad. You've got young kids. Mm -hmm. I've got young kids. Generations of young people who have been told again that they can believe and think whatever they want and that that gets to be their truth. That's a very dangerous thing. It really is. And, I, you know, I, I think watching it all happen and kind of swallow us up has been really 
heartening. I mean, I don't know how to, I don't know how as a dad to kind of navigate these waters. You know, you, I think like we look at this and say, because I, I have the same, I have the same feeling. My instinct is to say, everybody do their own thing. Look, right. I, you want to go do, right. you want to be weird on your own, be weird on your own. It's a small government instinct. It is. Yes. And I still feel that way largely about government. But always tied to that was that we still had to have a personal moral code, right? Like right. we still, this is why our founders talked about this kind this, this experiment's not going to work without religion. It's not going to work without faith. And we are, I think, trying to, 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 to make it happen by just losing all of those foundations. And I mean, we see how it's going so far here. Well, the other part of it, and this is the part that's actually incredibly troubling, look at Canada, look at the UK, because they're always they're always a little bit ahead of us when it comes yes. to denigration and chaos, yeah. right? They're faster, they're a little further down they're the slope. Further. Slope. They've yeah. gone, they're a little deeper <laughs> into Hades. You know? So it's interesting because as you look at it, yeah, I want people, do whatever you want to do. I hope everybody embraces the gospel. I'm a Christian, I'd love for everybody to do that. But it's no longer do whatever you want. It's, oh, you won't affirm what I'm doing doing and you won't celebrate it. So I'm going to destroy you. And that's where this disconnect and this chaos is coming from. You've got a woman who's been arrested twice now for praying silently outside of an abortion clinic in the UK. She's arrested for praying silently. She gets off uh, of those charges. She goes back. She's arrested again. You've got people in all sorts of similar circumstances being arrested for misgendering people. There's a guy who was arrested out in the UK for that. Canada's crazy. I mean, so you're watching free speech evaporate on, on that altar of affirm me, you must affirm me. And that's where it becomes troubling. Yeah, I, I think watching it happen is, is just the most bizarre part. I keep, you know, I look at my kids. I had this conversation with Glenn the other day. We were talking about uh, off the air that now that I think it's 17 states are coming up with uh, trans refugee bills that if a tr- child trans uh, who wants to transition gets to a state, they can basically ignore their parents and go along with surgeries and treatments for transgender issues. And, and I looked at that and, and he had this you know big explosion on the the typical Glenn Beck thing, right? Like call your congressman. Whatever. And like a big part of me feels that way. Like I need to do everything I can to stop this. And, and I think that's a really natural and real response. And then. There's another part of me, though, that just says, I need to lock my family in a cave right now. Right. I just need yeah. to protect these four people and everyone else. I, I don't know. It's up to you. <laughs> How do you balance like trying to essentially save a culture, the big C, nationally, and also at the same time, just try to protect your family? Because at times it feels like that's the only thing we have a chance of doing. It's, it's so difficult because I think a lot of the reason we are where we are is because a lot of us have been afraid to say things. I'm not going to lie. Some of these issues, I'm like, I would rather not. So right. gonna, yeah. And I think <laughs> yeah. that's why, yeah. you know, we've all kind of like, oh, we're not going to say anything. Let people do whatever they want. But now you end up here. And when you end up here, you have to say, now we've got children, right? Mm-hmm. Children who are in these horrific positions. Um, and look, a lot of the data shows that these kids change their mind. They outgrow it, right? When it comes to the transgender oh, issue. Yeah. Yeah. My, my biggest issue with all this pulling back is, do we have research and data on this? Do we understand what we're doing? Do we realize that this is, you can't, you can't turn it back. You can't change it. These are children. But even beyond that, I think reaching people's hearts, like we're not gonna solve this politically. And I think a lot of us still think we're going to solve it politically. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be political. It doesn't mean we shouldn't right. vote for people. But I think if we think that electing somebody, whether it's Donald Trump or whoever you want to elect, is going to change all of this, mm. it's not going to change it. Because guess what? The next person comes in and they undo all the executive orders and we end up right back where we were. We've got to change people's hearts. And I think that does require engagement with people, loving people, but telling them the truth. 
right? They have to go together. You can't love people if you're lying to them. And I think we've built a culture based on, on lying to people. Yeah. Gosh, it's true. And I, I think, you know, let's go here on the politics part of it, because I think it's, it's interesting. There's a tension, right, between, I think, the modern right, if you will, and the, 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 the feeling that you have to take action, you have to be aggressive, you have to fight, you have to be in the middle of these things, you have to be able to say what's true and, and call people out. And we can't be this wussified party anymore. We can't be polite. We can't be those guys. It doesn't work. And on the other side, there's the, the sort of faith leanings where, you know, you're supposed to kind of say, you know, you're turning the other cheek. You're you're you're, you're thinking about these things in a totally different way. How do you balance those two instincts? Because I think everybody on the conservative side of the argument has this sort of internal battle saying, like, I must say something, but also I should be really careful and about how I am and, and how I'm, I'm seen as a Christian. Yeah, it's really it's really tough. Right. Because, yeah, turning the other cheek, loving your enemies. I mean, you read some of those Bible verses. It's like. <laughs> Feed your enemies, clothe your enemies, yeah. and you're like, oh wow, I'm yeah, a terrible I just, like, person. Tweeted at somebody. Yeah, <laughs> right. I don't know. Um, so it is. It's tough. I think we have to always speak the truth, and we and it is okay to fight. I think in a way that doesn't denigrate somebody else. I think the challenge we have right now is we're talking about these people in the UK and other places, and we're ha- we had a guy in America who had to go to the Supreme Court to get the right to pray at the 50 yard line. I mean, how insane is that, right? So these things happen and we feel this internal frustration and fight because we wanna protect people's rights. Um, but I think when we start to denigrate other people, and you know, this was one of the challenges even in politics right now, right? There are candidates that we're attracted to because they're fighters. Right. And there's parts of that that are really good, but I think if we're honest as Christians, and I'll probably get myself in trouble, there are parts of that where we have to say, yeah. All right, but maybe that maybe we don't want to be calling people horse faces. You know, like maybe there's things we shouldn't. Like, <laughs> right, right. So there, there is a there is a line, and I think we can walk it. And I think we need to figure out and prayerfully sort of navigate that. Yeah, you know, it's, you bring up the the Stormy Daniels horse face. <laughs> I didn't say her name. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Did, well, you said her name. You I said, said horse one face. Of the titles she was given. Um, yeah. yeah, right in the titles. Yeah, um, and it's like I I find that one to be particularly interesting because. I am 100% on board with the idea that this is a BS prosecution, that the charges are not there, that the law is not on the side of of Alvin Bragg. I'm 100% there, and I'm really super uncomfortable with the idea of prosecuting a former president over something like this. On and on and on I go, and I can explain that every single day. But I must admit that I am uncomfortable with a president who would consider and his team consider paying off Uh, someone uh, in this situation who was alleging an affair. And also, I might point out, I'm uncomfortable with him having the affair in the first place. Now, I know he denies it, but... Look back at his past. He's he's you know bragged about affairs in the past. I mean, if you go back far enough in his history, there was the NBC tape. The NBC, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like there's a lot there. And I do feel like as a guy who kind of came up in this you know this political industry, talking in the in the 90s, where I mean every call on the Glenn Beck program for 10 years was about the moral capacity yeah. of a president and how important it was. And you can't lead a nation if you're not a moral character. It feels antiquated because of our modern society, but. We shouldn't abandon those expectations, should we? No, we shouldn't. And I think that has been the biggest challenge to people, right? Because whatever we think and feel, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. The thoughts and the feelings we have have become so paramount and so important that that's all that matters. So we'll look past things that we never would have before because we're so driven by the emotion. So I'm going to ignore the things that this person did. We Look, Bill Clinton, how many times did we all criticize Bill Clinton rightfully for the behavior he had? Mm -hmm. 
and it's as though that's like forgotten now. Yeah. Um, so I'm not saying we should, you know, endlessly go after somebody, but to ignore these things. And I agree with you. I think what you said is the conundrum, right? I'm uncomfortable with the fact that the government is seemingly interfering with an election by trying to prevent somebody from running again, because that's what it feels like. Yes, right? and I think it's true. I think that's 100%, that's 100% yeah. happening. 100%. And I'm also uncomfortable with some of the behavior on the other side. I don't know why more people can't get there. It's okay. You can still like the guy and vote for him, but why can't we say this was wrong? Yeah, I mean, because I think there is a... There's a there's an incentive to be almost dishonest, almost to look away from it. Like you, you, there's, a, I think, an expectation, especially when you come to social media and everything, where people say, "Well, you're not supporting, you're not supporting the team." What do you mean? You, of course we, yeah, we, you know, in a private conversation, of course we know that's not that's not good behavior. But stop saying it. Stop. But like, I think it's important to show to people that you want to convince or persuade to maybe your side of the argument that you're not just a mindless robot always supporting your side. To say like, hey, I'm critical of A, B, and C, but this is other stuff is really important and it should sway you. I think that's convincing. It convinces me when a, when a liberal says, hey, like, you know, uh, like, look, you're right on, on this point, but here's, here's yeah. what I think. I'm much more willing to listen to them on those other points. Absolutely. The other part of this that I think drives a lot of it and the reason people are looking past outside of the emotion, you look at the transgender issue. There are children being transitioned. You look at the abortion issue. You look at some of these issues, economics. I mean, get beyond the social. Fine, you don't care about the social. I do, but, you know, you look at the economics of it, things are not going well. And so when you have two choices, if you say to me tomorrow, my choice is Donald Trump's policies or the policies we have right sure. now, you're gonna opt for those policies. So I think it incentivizes us again because the it's so extreme. What is going on on the left is so extreme and so crazy and being peddled as though it's normative that I think it is pushing people even more toward people like Trump, I do. Yeah, no, I do think. I, I, and I guess that's a normal outcome of what we're going through right now. But I, I, this is a real struggle for people. And it I, is. you know, it's on a, you know a day like Good Friday, like that. I guess it's the time to to stop and 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 ponder these things and try to find a way forward. How do people do that? Is it is it just connecting closer to the Bible to their faith? Is it going to a more of a community situation, maybe support from their church? How do, how do people find the answers to these really difficult questions? So I'm going to tell people, like, here's the thing. I always tell people who are asking questions, like they don't know a lot about faith. They want to know. I say, go to the Bible and read John 3. Just read the chapter. Read all of the Wait, book of I John. Because if you're at a baseball game, you can see 316. But you're saying the entire yeah, chapter? Yeah, it's oh not that God. long. Read it. John 3, <laughs> read it. Um, because it really shows us what it means to have that relationship with God. And look, it's Good Friday, so, so I'll say this. I just wrote a column for the Washington Times on this, and I was reflecting on Jesus on the cross. He's been beaten, he's been flogged, he's been embarrassed, like the most horrific thing imaginable, right? And he looks down at the people who have done it to him, who are mocking him, dividing his clothes up. You can't even imagine it, right? Yeah. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm. And I think about that, and I'm like, again, I just mean tweeted somebody. I'm upset about, like, <laughs> I'm mad about my electric bill, and I'm going on about Biden. Yeah. And yet I see that, and it's really a call, I think a, a reflection that we can all sort of think about as we go through this holiday. What does that mean, really? And what does it call us to? And it doesn't mean we don't stand up for truth, and it doesn't mean we don't fight, but I think it does change our posture and how we do that. Mm, that's, that's great perspective. Uh, when, and this uh, column is, uh, can we, maybe we'll tweet it here uh, yes, in a little yes. bit. Make sure, at Studios America. And follow Billy as well on Twitter, Billy Hollowell. Catch him on the Quick Start podcast as well, along with Dan Andros. Uh, and check out his book, Playing with Fire, a modern investigation into demons, exorcism, and ghosts, which is available right now. Billy, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks for having me.
Yes, a new low for Joe Biden. He's always doing it for our segment here. And uh, I think he's just churning these things out because he likes the song. That's kind of my belief. Uh, now, CNN asked this question, do you think Joe Biden deserves to be reelected or not? Uh, and now back in December, Joe did really well on this question. 36 full percent thought he should be reelected. And you thought, wow, that's incredibly great. What, I mean, what kind of crazy people do live, live in this country that they think Joe Biden should have another four years? I don't know. Just 36 percent of them, though. Uh, however, that's fallen now down to 32 percent. Yes, 32 percent say he should be reelected. This is not a good number going in to an election season. 67% said that he did not deserve re-election. His approval rating is a little higher at 42%, but that's down as well. And uh, 69% of those on the Democratic side who wanted another candidate uh, indicated they just want anyone else. They just someone else was their answer. Uh, Vermont's Bernie Sanders was uh, the next name listed, which is incredible. You want to talk about a bad bench. Hey, do we have anyone who's 147 years old? I mean, uh, Bernie Sanders might be the only human being alive that's older than Joe Biden right now. I mean, I, and I don't even, I don't know if he is older, but he looks, they both look really, really bad. Here's the thing. You shouldn't, you shouldn't vote for any of these people because they're absolutely terrible. Whether they're young or old, they're all basically pseudo-socialists anyway, and they would do a terrible job. So there you go. Another edition of Joe Biden and his new low. Be nice if he just just left office, wouldn't it? Um, okay. By the way, um, we should talk about, at least particularly talking about leaving office in Tennessee. We did have a couple of uh, representatives. We told you about the story earlier in the week. They, you know, led a protest. They had a bullhorn down on the floor. They did not leave, um, evacuate the area when the sergeant at arms told them to. And then they complained about being victims. Now, to my knowledge, none of them actually said that they didn't commit a crime. Uh, the question was whether the crime rose to the level of them being removed and they could be removed by other Republicans. They were removed. At least two of the three were, um, which is kind of interesting. Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, both of them black were removed. The white person who is Gloria Johnson was not removed. Of course, she immediately went to mic microphone right after this and said the reason I wasn't removed is because I was white. If she had said that before the vote, of course, she also would have been removed because everyone would have been pissed at her. And it's important to note that like 95 percent of, of the voters on the Republican side voted to get rid of all three of them. There was just like two or three people who switched their vote on Gloria Johnson. And, you know, the, their point is like she was the only one who apologized Everyone else is being indignant and defiant. And she said, look, you know, I shouldn't have done it, but, you know, it's an important issue, gun safety or whatever. So that's where we are with that one. Uh, two gone. The other one stays and we will see how that goes. But it's an amazing thing because, of course, uh, they have a Democratic governor there inexplicably. Uh, so uh, a lot can be overturned. These vetoes can be over uh, overwhelmed with a decent amount of votes. So we'll see what happens in Tennessee. We already saw this happen in North Carolina. We'll give you updates as they come.
You know, if you happen to be moving uh, from a blue state to a red state, a lot of people are doing it to Tennessee, for example. Uh, Nashville has been one of the real, real hotbeds of movement because people are like, I don't want to live in California. I don't want to live in Illinois. I don't want to live in the Northeast anymore. I want to go someplace that's at least mildly sane. A lot of people going uh, to uh, Nashville. Uh, which is, of course, if you go to Nashville, it's a great city. It's also, it has a very liberal mayor. So you're going to wind up getting it kind of wherever you go. Anyway, if you're going to have a city that might be questionable, you want to at least go to a house that is not. And you can get a great house when you go with realestateagentsitrust.com. They find the best agents in your area. They are able to hook you up with them and you get a great experience. Uh, and this is the type of thing that Real Estate Agents I Trust have been doing for a long time. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now, find the best agent in your area. It's the most important real estate transaction you're ever gonna find. So why not have the best? Realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Welcome to a special edition of Stew Eats America. Yes, an Easter edition, and we get some Easter treats here today. Other stuff that you're going to want to jam down your gullet here this weekend. Of course, a reminder, uh, we rate these on the old school grading scale, A to F. You know, a lot of the, I mean, they had some, maybe some good grades in school, but mostly on the lower end of that. Um, here, uh, we start with M&M's eggs. Yes, M&M's eggs. Uh, these are... I don't know exactly what to expect out of these things. They look kind of like the, are they peanut butter filled? Are they like Whopper filled? Let's give it a shot. Starting with M&M's eggs for Easter. Hmm. Okay, they're peanut butter. Hmm. Now, here's the thing. These are fine. I like peanut buttery things. I can eat them pretty much all day. But like there's some I don't know why Reese's is the only person the, the only people who can actually master that sugary peanut butter taste which is so freaking delicious. Um, it's this is like a creamy peanut butter. If you see here the M&M who was hateful for like a couple days until they figured out that people didn't really uh-oh. Uh, people didn't really want to uh, didn't want like Dylan Mulvaney being the uh, M&M neck later. Um, but it's got some creamy peanut butter hair here. I will say these are pretty good. Chocolate, peanut butter, candy shell. Not as good as Reese's, I would say, but I would say uh, pretty darn good. I will give these a B plus for M&M's eggs. Now, this is one you may have seen. It's been all over the place. I have not tried it yet. I've been waiting for today because it's Easter weekend. Good Friday could be a very bad soda. It is Peepsy. Now, it's not called Peepsy. I don't know why it's not called Peepsy. Instead, it's called Pepsi plus Peeps. Peeps, of course, the friendly, uh, you know, Easter Bunny-shaped marshmallow candy. And they've decided to combine that with Pepsi for a little Easter treat on Stew Eats America Easter edition. I don't know what to expect out of this thing, honestly. A marshmallow, I mean, I could see there being a marshmallow soda that could be a little delicious with some cola. It's an interesting smell. Sells very chemically, but of course you'd expect that. Here we go, some... Pepsi plus Peeps or Peepsy. Mmm. Oh. Mmm. Yeah. No. That's. I don't. I don't even. T I don't even taste the vibe of the Peeps in this. This is a weird taste. Yeah. I mean, I don't think people would say this was going to be good. 
don't think anyone was like, oh, I can't wait for this. It's almost almost a joke product, which we don't always like to do on Stu Eats America, honestly. I want these pe- I want people at least trying, right? You don't want people who are putting out a bad movie on purpose. You want them to be trying to make a good movie and then it fails, like The Room. That's, that's, the, that's the standard here. But this one... I would say is pretty darn bad. It, I, it seems like they tried because there's not. It's not like a crazy flavor. It's just not very good. Uh, this one, uh, Peepsy, it's not for Easter. I will give it a. Uh, I'll give it a D minus. It's not a complete F. It kind of just tastes like Pepsi with a weird aftertaste. I could get through a bottle of it if I had to, but not exactly a high, high, highly rated. Next up, we've got this one. It is a, a, a healthy dessert uh, or breakfast dessert. It's called a soft croissant from the people at Seven Days. Uh, now, this one is interesting because you look at the picture of it, and you can't really see it on that one, but it looks like a sausage roll. And But it's not sausage in the middle. It is apparently chocolate, a chocolate-filled croissant. That kind of sounds delicious. Let's get a look. Looks like a pretty normal croissant. Let's uh, take out the middle here. You got a little bit of a strip of chocolate there in the middle. I'll get a good bite of that. Mm. Mm -mm. Mm Mm-mm. 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 Ah. Now, I mean, I will say the croissant itself is not horrible. It's soft. It doesn't really taste like a croissant. It's not buttery like that, but it's like a soft roll. The internal thing is where the problem is. This, this, oh. You ever, remember that really, when you were a kid, the really cheap, bad chocolate pudding, like the one you'd reject every single time? That's what's in here. It's that really like, almost like it was left out in the sun too long type of chocolate pudding. Oh my gosh, no, no, that's, that my friends is a straight out F. Can I have anything good here that I can, okay, let's do this. This one I'm excited about. This is filled by Cake Bites, the peanutter. Yes. I don't know. I mean, this looks good, I will say. Oh, by the way, uh, F for the seven days thing, if I didn't say it. Um, here we go. Filled by Cake Bites, right here. They're kind of like, they're cookies. They're not like cake, you, they're not Cake Bites. Those are cookies, seems like. Hard on the top and the bottom here. Let's um, check it out here, the peanutter. Let's try it. Hmm. Okay. Again, that's no home run, uh, but it's not bad. It tastes like another cookie that I can't place. It's got so you got basically a chocolate coating, sprinkles of actual peanuts, these little peanut pieces around it. You got a cookie in here, which is your typical like peanut buttery cookie, and then on top a peanut butter cream. So I mean, it is you know I could absolutely I, I will eat all three of these. It's pretty good. Uh, in fact, uh, I would not say I highly recommend it. Like, you got to go out and get these immediately. But I would give it a, a strong B. This is a solid B. It's a good product. I would eat these again. Uh, I don't know why it looks gooey in this picture. It's not at all gooey. You could not stretch it like that at all. That would be That's false advertising is what it is. But filled by Cake Bites, a solid B. I think the best product here, probably the M&M eggs. Everything else... And well, these are really good too. But the other two, definitely stay away. Not going to make your Easter. If the Easter Bunny brings the, those two to your house, um, I would I would pursue it with a torch and a pitchfork. Yeah, you know I think I got the problem here with this Peepsy. It's artificial marshmallow flavored Pepsi. These aren't even natural marshmallows. 
but not even off the trees. They're artificial, okay? So that might be the problem with the Peepsy. By the way, the, uh, the survey of the best Easter candies came out, the, the most popular, I guess. Look, look at this map. This is a, I mean, first of all, Reese's dominates the world. All the purple is Reese's. It's almost every state. Over 51% of people said that Reese's eggs are the top uh, candy for, for uh, Easter. Then you got some other Hershey's milk chocolate, all right. You've got uh, some other candies. But then five states for Starburst jelly beans? Not Starburst. Not jelly beans, but Starburst jelly beans. That, that specific candy has five states in our country right now. That's, I don't know if they're saying Starburst plus jelly beans, but those are totally different products. This is a scandal, okay? We should have led the show with this. We have some more Peepsy. Have a great Easter, and we'll see you on Monday if I can get through this soda.